from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. If you have a copy of God's Word, we invite you to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. How far would you have to go in your circle of influence before you would encounter somebody that you could call by name, that you would be alarmed for their soul if Jesus came back today? And that's got to be our motivation, folks. It's not just me being ready. It's not just me knowing the Lord, but it's for me having a concern and a commitment to influence those around me that don't know the Lord yet. That's our hope as well. Okay, if you're able, will you stand with us and honor God's Word? 2 Thessalonians chapter number, where did my glasses go? Throw them to me, Corey. Throw them, throw them, Corey. Nice throw, Corey. Good. (laughs) Oh, man. About the time when you try to act like you're something and you forget your glasses. Isn't that great? Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we asked you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled either by a prophecy or by a message or by a letter supposedly from us alleging that the day of the Lord has come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Well, we need to hear that today. For that day will not come unless an apostasy. In other words, a falling away or rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's temple proclaiming that he himself is God. Again, verse number three, the first part, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless an apostasy or falling away comes first. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. Uh, In advance, God, I asked you that you would bless here, that uh, all the pursuits and all the things that have our attention in this world, may we center in on you. Holy Spirit, we give you this the rest of this time, the dominion here. We've already sensed your presence. We've gathered together in your name, and we've celebrated in believers' baptism. But God, we've also, Lord, today need to understand the desperate day that we're living in. I pray, God, that my words would be yours and my thoughts to be yours. And every one of us, whether we're here or we're taking this in through an, another platform, God, that we would be aware and walk in obedience, Lord, to the way you direct our lives. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and glory, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. In 1987, Isaac Shepherd began a business called Life Alert. Uh, Life Alert, you might not be familiar with that, but you will be familiar with I've fallen and I can't get up. Uh, I wanted to show somebody laying beside, you know, out on the floor in their den, and and I got convicted because I said it'll look like somebody in the church and they'll be offended. So I just thought I'll give an advertisement, all right? Uh, I can't tell how many family members I told them, if you don't get it together, church members too, if you don't get it together, we're going to put one of those things around your neck. You better pick it up. But he began this business, it's amazing, ministry, if you will, to people, yes, senior citizens, yes, people who have balance issues, or for whatever reason, they fall and they need help getting up. That's the simple premise. And now it's, listen, you go on the website, you go to images on the website, uh, on the internet, and there are hundreds of, I've fallen and I can't get up. I mean, it's amazing how, where people have run with that. But today, the premise is this, I really feel like we've fallen and I wonder, are we even trying to get up? Now, follow along in this for just a few minutes. Listen to this. Uh, for me, the last two decades especially, 
we've seen subtle shifts in morality in our world. It's staggering. When I think about the moral picture and fiber of America, let alone the church, let alone the child of God, it really just moves my heart. It does. I remember, listen to this, I remember when you didn't work on Sunday. Do y'all remember that? Huh? I remember when you didn't go out to eat and work on, on Sunday because you were causing somebody else to work and therefore they're sinning on the Sabbath, so you didn't go out to eat. I remember mama cooking stuff on Saturday and we had a big family because you didn't cook on Sunday, you just presented it for everybody on Sunday. And I don't know if you like me, we grew up in a big family and I remember putting a sheet over the food and you came back and got after it again after Sunday night church. I don't know if y'all did. Huh. I remember things like that, it's amazing. I remember when stores were closed on Sunday. You better get it on Saturday. You weren't going to get it till Monday. Now they're not only open, but they're open, seemed like just like regular days. Hmm. I also remember when dress and modesty mattered more than it does today. I had to wait to October to put this in a sermon, but I love the wintertime. As a man with two eyes and, and the enemy loves to tempt, I'll just tell you this. I love when wintertime comes because we wear more clothes. Hmm. I've seen folks wearing clothes lately that they should get a rebate. You hear me? Huh? It don't take as much for them as it does for me. They ought to get some money back. The day and age we live in, I remember where there were things that, and someone said, well, you're on a soapbox and you're this, that. No, just follow, follow along with me. We're talking about morality. Today, things don't seem to matter as much as they used to. And I don't think this, we need to understand it, and I'll still go ahead and tell you, this was not for the Jewish people. This is not an Old Testament sermon. Everything that you hear today, I'll make one reference, a couple of references to the Old Testament. The rest of it's New Testament. It was said to the child of God. It was said for us as the church. And I'll say this in American history, you'll go back and look, that sometimes today people have gotten out of whack with all this because the person necessarily with the voice is not necessarily the correct voice. Now we hear things in our society like you can't legislate morality. That's been the debate the last 20 or 25 years. I remember it in ministry. I remember when on a regular basis, that's when church of state, the separation of church and state really took its roots. Oh, listen, you can't legislate morality. What do you think laws are? Laws are helping us to conduct ourselves in a moral way. And many times we get sideways with that. And down we're told to be politically correct. That's an oxymoron if you want to know. I don't know if political and correct can be in the same sentence. But we're told we need to be politically correct. Let me tell you something. How can you be politically correct in a society if morals don't matter? I'm not the sharpest knife, okay? Listen to me. Just recently, this past Friday, men, I have several men. We meet on Monday and Friday. Start the day with Jay. They, someone named it. And we've been going through the book of Romans, which is very powerful. It's a foundational, formational book for the child of God to know what we believe theology, in theology, theologically. And in Romans chapter 5, we're reminded that because sin came in the world, there was a need for the law. If Adam and Eve had never sinned in the garden, there wouldn't be 613 laws in the Old Testament. And there wouldn't be guidance and there wouldn't be principles and print for us to lead, lead our lives in the New Testament as well if man had never sinned. I've got great news for you folks. One of the benefits of heaven is sin's not going to be there. We're not going to have laws that guide us because we're going to be right. The law is put there because we're fallen and we need to be restored and we need to be, have guidance. When we're in heaven, it's going to be right. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm ready to go. I think I'll practice today. We need guidance and boundaries because of sin. I want to enlighten you today. Listen, God calls us to be close to him. 
God calls us to be different. God calls us to be open. God calls us to be separate. I wrote this down, and I just want you to, just to have a visual of this. God wants the divine for us. He wants to be close to us. He wants us to experience his grace and his presence in our life. He doesn't want distance. Sin brings on distance. The Old Testament, we're told our, our sins separate us from God. Our iniquities have separated us from God. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord does not hear my prayers. And today we've been fed this bill of goods that whatever you do, it's God still extended beyond it. And before long, it becomes a greasy grace and a sin in religion instead of us living like God wants us to live. And the product has come in the child of God's life. Many times the product has come in the church as well as in our country that was founded on the principles and the precepts of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And somebody will debate that, they're, they're lost every time. That's why I tell people the Ten Commandments should hang in every courtroom because man's not bright enough to make laws if God didn't give us the framework for them. It's pretty good. I'm going to go back and listen to the way I said that. One more thing. This is framed in the New Testament as I alluded to. So someone says, oh, that's Old Testament. Not so. This is not for the Jew. This is not for the children of Israel. That was last week. And where they fit with us today, and we're all God's chosen people in the blood of the Lamb, and they're God's chosen people originally, this is for you and me. Follow along when I talk about the facts about falling. The first is just a reminder, and here's the reminder. This is going to be deep. You ready? You have to be close to fall away. Let that sink in. Just for a moment, just a reminder. You have to be close. If there's a falling away, if there's an apostasy, if there's a rebellion, to rebel, you have to be somewhere for that to happen. You with me? And so that you had to be close. Just a reminder. It reminds me of Psalm 917. I often quote this verse when we talk about America. It often comes to mind with me because it says, The wicked are turned into hell or Sheol and all the nations that forget God. And I remember decades ago now, the first time it hit me, that for a nation to forget God, they have to have known God. And the list is very small in world history of the nations that have adhered to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very few democracies in the world adhere to the God, that God, our God. And so for us to, what happens to a nation, it's turned into hell, either direction-wise or literally it's turned into hell because we forget God. And see, to forget God, to me, sounds a lot like falling away. Hmm. Distance is a part of it. When I think of this, it really, two things come to mind. First, it's personal. I think to fall away, it's got to have a personal aspect to it. It's got to have some kind of way that it, it pulls on you. And then it's about performance. It, it, it's a heart condition where we say, well, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing, just like the prodigal son did. And it fits there. But it's also about performance. So it's about a heart deviating and going away from God. But it's also a performance that we fall away. And I look at America today and I look at the church and even maybe the child of God and go, we've, it's, we've fallen away. Secondly, this fall is also a choice. It's not a, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I didn't see this coming. Uh, I've said a lot here lately that everything God has ever created had choice involved in it. He created Adam and Eve, and the first thing he did was give them a choice. Here it is. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. It's always been about a choice. Every aspect of our life is a choice. Today, if there's somebody on the sound of my voice and you're not sure or you know that you don't know Christ, the only way you will ever know Christ is to choose him into your life. Do you know that? Today, we witnessed five individuals that made a conscious choice. I ask every one of them that question, that you've asked Christ to come into your life and change you. You chose to do that. God didn't oh no you. 
He might have backed you in the corner. He might have convicted you like in a service like this or at camp or some other type of environment, but it's a choice. Everything God's ever done has a choice. Our own Christian life is a choice. If you're going to live for God, it's a choice that you make today. If you don't, it's a choice. Some people say, well, it's just sort of happening. No, 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 no. Even when we don't adhere to it, we're making a choice not to adhere to it. You with me? This fall is a choice. <laughs> Everything God. So someone said, well, pastor, how does it happen? Let me answer it for you out of the book of James. James epistle, James chapter 1, verse 14. There were the, the debate, and you go back and research it, people say, well, God's doing this, and we still do this stuff today. God does this, and God does this. Why is God doing this to me? And I've often said God gets credit and blame for a lot of things he didn't have anything to do with. But God put the choice before us, and we're product of our choices. Listen very carefully. James chapter 1, verse 14. It says we're, we're drawn away of our own lusts. Hmm. Previous to that, it says, can God, does God tempt? Does God test? He doesn't do that, nor can he be tested. But a man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I, I think about this story often, I tell it, but there was a, a, a fellow that we led to the Lord years ago, and, and, and his, in his discipleship and things I was working with, and he said, Brother Jay, I just don't know if I can live it. And I said, why not? And, and he had a major drug problem. I mean, heavy, heavy drugs, okay? I won't tell you his drug of choice, but it was heavy. I'm talking about heavy. And he said, Brother Jay, when I stop and get gas, this blew me away. That's the reason I think of it so often. He said, when I stop and get gas, he said, I can be at, a, at the pump. And he said, I can tell you the other people that are users at the pump. And I went, excuse me? And so for really for the next few months when I would get gas, I would look around and go, I wonder who they are. <laughs> what was he saying to me? And we talked a lot about it. And it was one of his discipleship things in his life and mentoring, helping him. What was he saying he said, the enemy knows where to hang out. My mother said it best. She's one of the best theologians I've had in my life. She said, the hardest walls to build up in your life are the ones that you tore down. Think about that. The enemy knows where your goat is tied. He knows your shortcomings. That fellow, the, the, the enemy knew his shortcomings. It wasn't shortcoming for me. I have my own. But see, he was saying that we're drawn away. And this falling is not just something that happens. It's a choice. We act on the choice of being drawn away. And the enemy does know where to hang out. Listen, here it is. This choice breaks my heart. James chapter 4, verse 17. Look at this. It says, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Uh, the King James says, for a man that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. And see, many times in our life, we need to realize afresh and anew is this choice we make. As we know we're supposed to be doing something, we're setting ourselves up for a fall because we don't create the right environments of life. And therefore, bad choices come out of it. There are many people who say, oh, I can't believe this happened and believe that happened. Yes, you can. Let's, let's be real today, okay? For the next 15 minutes, let's be real at church. And a lot of times, we've created this environment for this stuff to happen. We shouldn't be blown away when it does. We run with the wrong people. We put ourselves in situations that are, we're just an eye shot. We're just a moment away from falling. Choices we make, which leads to one. Listen, this breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart to tell you this. The person that knows to do better and does it not to him is sinless to me. America knows better, folks. The church knows better. How will they ever see Jesus in my life if I look like everybody else? 
And that God's called us in this day and age when everything's fallen, he's called us to be firm. He's called us to be that. Is it hard? Yes. Is it hard for me? Yes. I People today, we've excused it and we want to talk about God's grace and God's mercy and God's love and his long suffering instead of realizing that God's called us to be different. It's a choice we make. Hmm. Oh, let me move on. Some of y'all are looking at me very tough today. Number three is this. When I think about facts about falling, it's not a closet condition. It's not. There's an open aspect to this thing. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's open, isn't it? I've never seen my name written down in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know how big my mansion is in heaven that's already been built for me, the word of God says. He's gone to prepare a place for me. And he's coming back where I can be where he is. <laughs> that's good stuff. Huh? I've never seen any of that. But let me tell you what the word of God says. What, what, what God does on the inside, he expects for us to manifest that on the outside. To the whole world, you and I are to be witnesses. And we're going to start in Jerusalem. We're going to go to the ends of the earth. We're supposed to be a witness for Jesus Christ. How we ever got in the secret service business as children of God is beyond me. Well, that's, that, my relationship with the Lord is just between me and the Lord. No, it's not. It's between everybody else in your life. Huh? Don't be offended. I'm the one who got my arms crossed. <laughs> but how, how do we come up with this thing that my relationship with the Lord is just between me and, I mean, it's just between me and the Lord, preacher? No, it's not. Because everybody in your life is looking at your life. And everybody in my life is looking at my life. He didn't just save me to have this one-on-one relationship with him. Remember the cross? I got a vertical plank. That's my relationship with him. But I've also got a horizontal cross. By this will all men know that you're my disciples the way you have loved one for another. And see, this is what it is. Listen, it's not a closet condition. And that's the reason we have believers' baptism today. Jesus died openly for you and me. He didn't go in the closet. He didn't go behind the veil. He didn't go on a back street. He was out there for everybody to see it including his father. How dare me live a closet life when what God did for me was open. This falling away has many characteristics. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But I believe we were more moral than we are today. <laughs> there are things I look at today and say, you've got to be kidding me. If it wasn't so tragic, I would laugh at the ridiculous part of it. But no, 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 no. It's not a closet condition. And then the last one is this, and I love this word in the King James, but it fits for my, my points today, is cloven does matter. Cloven is a King James word. You can find it basically a word that means separate. To live separate still matters. Never forget on the day of Pentecost, that's where that word is used. When they came out of the upper room, 120 of them, it says cloven tongues of fire, representing the Holy Spirit, the new day, the New Testament was resting on them. And let me tell you this, folks, we need to understand it. It didn't rest on anyone else except the ones that came out of the upper room. (laughs) They were separated unto God. People saw it. People experienced it. God commanded us in in his word in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, to come out from among them and be separate. I just want to say this in this fallen world that we live in, that God's still called us to be different. I wrote this out, and I, and I believe the visual thing, that you, you retain 10% of what you hear and 90% of what you see. And so using this apparatus here, I, I just wanted to put this up there for you today. Today it seems like the church wants to fit in everybody's life. Don't offend. Don't preach too long. <laughs> you know, don't keep us. We got a busy agenda. We're going to give you a little while, and we're going to go do our own thing. And yet I'm reminded, I'm not validating because i got about six, seven, eight, ten minutes left in this sermon. I'm not here to, to, to try to validate 
how long I preach, but I want to remind you it's a Sabbath day, not a Sabbath hour. Hmm? And he's also the God of the other six too, by the way. And one day we're going to stand in front of him and give an account. But I just want to tell you, and, and this is spilled over into the church, we want to fit in. We want, you know, we want to be hip, you know. Uh, but fitting in, if I look like everyone else and sound like everybody else and go every place they go and do everything they do, fitting in leads to falling away. We're called to be different. Not here to hurt you. I, I struggle with these kind of sermons. I do. You say, oh, no, you don't because you preach them every week. <laughs> Fitting in leads to falling away. Falling away doesn't happen overnight. We just, we just watered it down. We, the, the sharpness became a little dull. What used to move us and we were convicted about now became, a well, it's not that bad. <laughs> we got over God's convictions. And then over time, we just fit in so much, now we don't even look like Jesus much to other people. We don't sound like him. What moves his heart doesn't move ours. Hmm. Fitting in leads to falling away. Falling away causes, without exception, it causes hurt and harm and alarm. I can go back to a teenage years, and there was a man. He was strapping. He's a football player, very unbelievable athlete, married and had kids. He took up time with us youth, and I thought, man, I want to be like him. And for whatever reason, I don't know if the church upset him. I don't know if something happened. But over time, he fell away. And I remember how it gripped my heart. I was in the ministry by then. I was in my early, mid-20s, and, and I heard he wasn't even going to church anymore. It wasn't long that I went home and I was in a revival. <laughs> and I didn't look him up. It was amazing. I looked outside. I was in my hometown where my family business, that my, my family's business is. And I was looking out the window and he was across the road. And I said, I'm going to go see him. This is my chance. And I go over to see him and, and, and I tried to embrace him. He sort of stood off and that guy that I knew wasn't there anymore. The light had gone out. The vibrancy wasn't in his face. I tried to talk about the Lord and talked about the ministry and, and the impact that he had on my life. He pushed away from me and walked off. Reached out to him since. He's fallen away. I'll let you decide where he's going in eternity if you so choose. I'm not here to debate that with you today. But what I'm here to stand clearly on is before the Son of God comes, there will be a falling away. There will be people that are on fire for God. They showed up just because the door was swinging. And now it's really no big deal. I can take church or not take church. They offended me down there. Somebody didn't say anything to me. Or we take, we take church, we look at church like we do a gas station. We go to this one and that one and this one and that one. Instead of being true to the body of Christ. And this day and age, we wonder. You come to church and you say, oh God, I don't want to fear that. I don't want to lose somebody out of the church. And the word of God says this in 2 Timothy. I'll preach on it a few weeks. Make sure you know what Sunday that is. You won't want to be here. It says, that Sunday, it says of that day that men will have itching ears. We just want to feel good. Preacher, can you just give us something to make us feel good? Like we did something because we came to church. And God's looking for us to have a, not a form of godliness, but to have power that goes with it. 
and we wonder why what's going on in that world today. It's not the government's fault. It's the church's fault. God hasn't called for repentance to happen at the White House before he called for it to happen at his house. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Understand this. It breaks my heart. I could talk about yesteryear in Milledgeville, Georgia, but I can talk about my 10 years here. They aren't all good like Brooks, Kimbrell. I can tell you about people that when I moved here, they were on fire for God. And you thought, man, I want to hook my wagon to them because they're going the right direction. And man, they're going to heaven if they don't go right by it in the meantime. They're on fire for God. And I could name you a pretty good list of people today that don't even see the need to be in God's church on God's day. And explain it away. Well, I can have God in my own way. No, you can't. Let me tell you what God's way is. Walk in all the light that he'd have you to walk in. If you miss church, you miss God. If you miss God, you miss everything. I can have God and not have a devotional life. I can have God and do this, and I can have God and do that. What we might be doing is selling ourselves on a falling away. You're not going to have the divine and distance at the same time. Hmm? you got to be close. It says, my people who bear my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their evil ways. Then. Y'all see it? People think God's going to hear them when they got the world in their life. Oh, preacher, it's quiet in here. I hear the air conditioners running. Hmm. See, see, we need to come back to some reality. Suzanne, Suzanne doesn't hear me when there's problems between us. My three children don't hear me when there's problems between us. And it's always their fault, by the way. I just want you to know that. They don't hear me. When I got a problem with some of the staff or they got a problem with me, they don't hear me. And I don't hear them either. But yet we think all of a sudden with God, I can have all this junk in my life, be living a life that doesn't bring glory and honor to me, and God hears me. Baloney! And cheese. Bologna for some of you educated folks. We need to get real, folks. We're living in a desperate day where not only is the world out there going away, but the church is falling away from God. And we can let anything and everything get in the way. My people, are you who bear my name? We do. Now watch this. Humble themselves. Amen. Why do we have an altar? So we can humble ourselves. In a minute, they're going to get ready. Listen, they're gonna, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art before we go home. This is God's day. Amen. Huh? I'm going to show you something. When you realize how great he is, you'll humble yourself. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that he is the Christ. Huh? Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Listen. Then. Then. I'll hear from heaven. Forgive their sin. <laughs> Heal their land. Well, if we can just pass this big spending package, that will do it for America. That will solve our problems. No. We can just get the right president in there. That will solve our problems. 
Because if the core of our society is fallen, it don't matter who sits up on the top of it if we're not coming back to a heart that's full of worship toward the Lord. Are you ready? Hmm? If not, today's the day of salvation. If the trumpet was to sound, are you ready? You're banking on it, hoping you are. It's not a hope so, it's a no so. I invite you to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org. Thank you for joining us.